Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. Talking about grief is something that none of us really like to do. And because we don't like to do it, we don't do it. And that is why we're so inefficient at talking about it. But we need to start the conversation and especially on a personal level. But it's even real, more important, I think, on a professional level because this could affect your work performance, your career and, um, and your livelihood, right? So how do we talk about something that's so personal that we're going through on a professional level? You know, because so many times we're told keep, home stuff at home, work stuff at work. But when your life is falling apart, it's hard to find that line to separate it. Joe Hunter is going to help us um, sort this all out today. And that's why I'm so glad that she has decided to join us. Uh, she is a coach, a leadership coach. She owns Up Level to Lead. And Jill, thank you very much for coming and lending your expertise to a very challenging subject. Oh, it's an honor to be here. And I, I really hope that your, your people who listen will gain something out of this because this is such a hard topic to talk about and you're nervous and you're, you've got butterflies when you're trying to walk to your boss. And I want to make that easier for you today. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that the, the hard thing is, is that we do feel that, you know, so many people say home life is home life, work life is work life and never should the two cross. But that's almost next to impossible um, on a regular basis, let alone when you're going through a crisis. Yeah, I, I feel like if, you've, if, I, if my employees don't have everything working, you know, working well in their personal life, that they can't be 100% at work life. Um, it's because you can't partition yourself. It's so difficult to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to give 100% at work, even though I'm a mess at home. And so I feel like as a leader, I need to really help people be the best person they can be, both at work and at home. Okay, so let's talk from a perspective of uh, a worker, you know, an employee who is really going through a tough time. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Um, it could be, you know, an addiction of one of, you know, a family member that's suffering with addiction. It could be that they're going through a divorce or um, maybe they've just been diagnosed with, with cancer or something. How do we start that conversation and where does the conversation start? So I'd say the first thing you wanna do is get your boss alone and ask for just five minutes of their time make them feel like it's, you know, nothing like, hey, can I just have five minutes? I just want to talk um, privately. Make sure that you're you're in a closed office or in a private Zoom room, as, as things may be nowadays, and say, you know, you may have noticed that I've been a little quieter than normal or a little off or not my bouncy self. Um, and I just wanted to give you a heads up as to, as to why. Um, so that I can, you know, at least you understand what's going on. I'm not asking for any like leniency. I'm still going to do my job. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, but I just want to be honest about what's going on and then say, you know, hey, I just, 
got this heavy diagnosis the past few weeks. You've seen me going out for doctor's appointments and it wasn't good news um, that I just got. I need to deal with it. It's, you know, I might need to take some time off to solve things in the future, but for right now, just expect me to be um, a little more reserved at work personality, but I'm going to put everything I have into it um, and, and go, go that way. Then let you, let your boss say what they, what they feel about that. Um, if you have a good boss, they're going to empathize with you. And, and that's a lot of what I teach people to do is to empathize. Okay. So that's a great way to start the conversation. Um, can we go to where if you don't have a good boss? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because I think that sometimes people feel that they might not have a good boss. And if they share this information with them, it's just going to be something that's going to be used against them. It's going to be perceived as a weakness and they're going to be watching and waiting for them to screw up. So if you if you don't have a great relationship with your boss because you fear that your boss doesn't doesn't appreciate you. Um, as much as they do others, it doesn't appreciate anyone that works for them. And then just say, listen, I've got this situation. I just want to let you know that I'm still committed to giving everything I can every day. And my life outside of work is quite challenging right now, but I'm still going to show up. I'm going to give you everything I can while I'm here. And I just want to know what questions you have. And, and you really just ask, let them share their concerns because it's better for it to come up right now before things happen so you can address it than waiting till, you know, a couple of weeks later, something happens and then they say something negative. Okay. Yeah. So address it as soon as possible. That would be the best thing. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about the, in the case of death, I would assume that if you've had a death in the family, um, your boss would know about it, but maybe if they manage a lot of people, they might not know about it. So before you come back, should you have that conversation or should you have that conversation pretty immediately? Because there's, there's not a lot of time there, right? Because, um, bereavement, if it's a, it's a, it just depends. Bereavement leave is usually three days if it's someone close to you. And if it's just, you know, a regular person or family member, you might be given a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then with blended families and whatnot, some of it might not even count at all. The relationship might be solid and strong, but the rules and regulations you know, might say otherwise. Right. And so when you're, when you're asking, asking immediately is really tough because you don't know, unless you're the one actually planning the arrangements for the, for the family, you have no idea when, what is going to take place. You're not even sure how long things are going to last. Um, for, for example, you know, I have a, a, a religious blended family, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so my husband is Jewish and they sit Shiva for three nights after the the services. So, you know, is he going to work? Is my husband going to work each day and then coming to sit Shiva at night? Or is he sitting Shiva all day, every day? 
And then, you know, my family is more of a, you know, have a wake and then a funeral the next day and you wait a few days and then, and then you get no support afterward. So, so it really depends also on, on that as far as you don't know what the family is actually going to be doing, depending mm-hmm. on which side of the family it is Right. when things are happening. So it's really hard to have that conversation up front. Um, but as a, when you're asking, just say, listen, I just found out, I, I just, you know, I got the call an hour ago. I am holding it together right now. Um, and I, I'm going to need some time off. I don't know when it's going to be. Is it okay if I give you updates as soon as I find out? And just ask for that, you know, like, say, I don't know. You know, I wanted to let you know as soon as possible, but I don't know the details. And that should be the first conversation you have. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that information. I don't know, but I promise to keep you updated as soon as I do know. And you recommend that we have the conversation with our manager first. Don't go to HR first. Why is that, Jill? So HR, for those of you who don't know, especially when it's something like this, HR is going to notify the manager and say, I just want to make sure that you know that so-and-so had a death in the family and is is asking about our bereavement policy. And so I they're gonna they're gonna let you know. If it comes through HR, then the boss is like, well, gee, why didn't they come to me first? Do they feel like they can't trust me? Um, do, do they not feel like I would be understanding and it it undermines a lot of their relationships. So to strengthen that relationship with your boss, go go to the boss first. Even if they're a tough person and they've never really been nice to you, still go to the boss first because it's showing respect. Okay, great advice, great advice. Let's, let's talk about bosses. Let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about doing what you do, which is try to um, really instill in, in leaders that, Compassion is a good thing. Humanity is a good thing. These are not weaknesses. These are bonds that can make things stronger. And seriously, I think the way that a manager would react to an employee in a state of crisis could be the difference between having that employee go to work even harder for you because of what you extended towards them, or it could be the way that you you handled it so poorly, you could be losing a very productive and good employee. It, it, there's, a, there's a high price to pay for how you deal with this. Absolutely. Um, and I've seen it go both ways. You know, I've, I've seen people lose their, their fathers at work. Like I was at work with standing next to them when they got the phone call with mm-hmm. more than one person that their father had just passed. And you know, then trying to make sure that they, they got out of work, you know, got to deal with their family. And then a couple of weeks later, they were coming back to work and they're, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm back. But it was like every day that my boss was calling me and asking me when to come back. And, you know, when are you, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And that just rubbed them the wrong way and really made them feel like, you know, you don't get it. 
you, you just don't get it. So you have to be really sensitive when you do need to follow up with people. Mm-hmm. As an employee, you can be proactive and, you know, every day, just send a quick text to your boss. You know, if you if you say, like, I don't know what's going on, just say, give them an update, like every day at 10 a.m. or something. Just send them a little text saying, no news, sorry, I'll keep you updated. And, and just go on so that you don't, the boss doesn't have to nag you and mm-hmm. kind of erode that relationship that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that works. But I think it's also important that, you know, there's just, there's just, a, there's, it doesn't take much on the boss's end to tweak it towards compassion to get the same answer, but how they make the person feel. There's a difference between when you're coming back, when you're coming back, when you're coming back to we miss you. How are you doing? We can't wait to have you back. Is there anything that we can do on this end to get you back or make it easier on your way back? Yes. And when you come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I had had an employee lose her grandfather who you wouldn't think is a, is a big figure in, in someone's life, but she didn't have any parents and her grandfather basically raised her. So when he was sick and, and dying, um, we were in Massachusetts, he was in New York city and she wanted to go down for his last couple of days. So she did. And then she, I think she came back to work for a few days and then, and then he passed the next week. And so every day I was in touch with her saying, you know, hey, have they figured out when the funeral's going to be? I just, I, you know, I really, I want to send flowers from the organization, but I needed to know like what funeral home and and everything like that. So I had a budget where I was able to send flowers to the funeral. Um, I was able to stay in touch with her and see how she was doing. And I'm like, how are you doing? How is your, I think she had a sister who was also grieving. And I said, you know, how's your sister doing today? How are you doing today? So every day I started that conversation with, you know, things like that, because I really cared. And she came back and she's like, it made all the difference in the world because I knew you really cared about me. When she came back to work, I actually, um, I had a a card, you know, like a, a, you know, sorry for your loss type of card Mm -hmm. that everyone in the department signed. And she said that just made a big difference. Yes. Um, And it does, it makes a huge difference. You know, people, they want to know that they're cared about, you know, they, and so how, how do we as leaders (laughs) reach out and do that? Because some people it's very easy if you have that motherly nurturing instinct, but others are just, you know, many people like that separation between if it's not a work issue, I don't want to have to deal with it. That's the difference between maybe a manager and a leader. <laughs> and so and so part of it is knowing a leaders really support the people mm-hmm. and let let the people know that I've got your back. Mm-hmm. And so one way that a leader needs to to step up is to be able to say, I've got you covered. You know, like I know you are still, you don't know when you're coming back to work. But don't worry, I've got, you know, Joe lined up to, to cover your shift on this day. And I've got Mary 
lined up to cover the next day. And I've got Tom lined up the next day. And I can call them off if you're ready to come back. But if not, I've got it. I've got you covered. So I want you to know that don't feel guilty. Take the time that you need to, to heal in order to come back. Um, and, and just, you know, kind of make that conversation easier for the person. I love the advice that you're giving because it's not, it is, it's not too touchy feely. You know what I mean? Like anybody can do it. It truly is. Um, you don't have, I think that some people think that they, ha- they can't be emotional. It, that is a sign of weakness as well at work. We have these, these rules about, uh, you know, certain things. Um, but really when it comes down to it's one human relating to another human mm-hmm. and, and how we do that. And that can either um, do it in a way that has a positive impact or a negative impact right? So let's talk about those people that let's deal with the grief according to death or well, any of this, like when you've gotten that diagnosis or when you've, you've got the news of a loss, literally grief has a a physiological effect on your, on your body, on the way your brain functions. Uh, Sometimes you, things fall through the cracks. Sometimes you just don't remember. Sometimes you can't, even though you're showing up and you're giving it your all, your all might be 70% when you're used to delivering 100%. How do we work through that, Jill? So there's, there's different ways to work through that. One is if you recognize that your brain is in a fog and a lot of people do recognize that Gee, I just, I'm just not hundred percent, you know, I used to be able to do this really easily. And today it's just not coming to me is asking permission to buddy up with someone to double check your work or at the end of the day, schedule a 15 minute little talk with either your boss or someone else to kind of go over what you did that day and make sure you didn't miss anything. And just say, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm 90%, but I just, I'm not trusting myself right now. And I'd really like a little extra help um, to make sure I don't make a mistake that the company is going to regret. And, right. and just, yeah. you know, and, and just, you have to kind of be vulnerable and say, you know, I'm just not as sharp as I used to be. And, you know, it's going to take me a little while to get back into my groove. So can you help? take me a little while? This isn't permanent. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why I would love to get into workplaces and talk to, you know, leadership and management and employees about grief and the effects that it has on their brains and on their bodies so that people can understand that this is, this is a temporary thing. This isn't a lifelong thing. And if we can just talk about it and feel safe talking about it instead of, you know, um, feeling threatened or that our job is threatened or that we're going to be you know, uh, written up for something. You know, I think that I, that's, that's why so many people think that it's being, it's perceived as a weakness. So how can we turn that vul- vulnerability into a strength? If you don't speak up, so say you don't want to have this conversation, you're resisting and you're like, no, I'm afraid I'm going to be perceived as a weakness. They're looking for any reason to get rid of me. If you don't, have the conversation 
and your performance starts to drop because of the brain fog, because of the stress that's going on outside of your career, then they are going to have a reason to get rid of you. If you're open with this, it gives you a little more leeway and a little bit of grace. Um, and so HR is not going to, to allow your boss to fire you at the same time it, that this is going on. Right. Um, there are, it, despite it not being part of any legal protection, HR knows that if you have something like this going on, that there's a good chance that they can't legally get rid of you right at that moment. Right. So have the conversation so that it's just, it's just documented, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was telling you before this conversation about how I've lost the capacity to compartmentalize, how I um, was no longer as a, as a former news anchor, I would be able to go and do the worst of the day's news, report the worst of the day's news and come home and just put it in a part of my brain, come home and be wife and mom and go about my merry way, right? When I lost my son, I was unable to do that. It just broke. That capacity to compartmentalize broke. And so I wasn't able to leave the, my sadness at home. I brought to work those sadness and tragedy that I had at work. It just all seeped into every corner. You say you have a way that people might be able to tuck it away for a while so that they can get done what they need to get done. Would you share that with us, please? Sure. I learned how to compartmentalize at an early age. And so my techniques are not, um, it was only recently that I learned how to do it consciously. Mm -hmm. And when I learned how to do it consciously, I taught myself how to do it. It's like, okay, first acknowledge that the situation that you're going to walk into is going to be one of those traumatic things that's going to trigger you or that is, is really heavy. For example, walking into, you're standing outside awake and you're ready to walk into to a funeral and, and you're, you know, you're taking that last breath of fresh air before you mm -hmm. walk into the building. At that point, say to yourself, okay, I'm going to probably feel a wave of grief coming over me. You know, we've all felt that we've all right. felt like, right. Oh my gosh, it's coming at me. And I want you to take a breath and hold it out there. So like if someone's going to throw you a ball, remember playing mm -hmm. with balls that were about right. like big as a kid mm -hmm. and they throw you the ball. And at first you'd have to like have it hit your belly for you to be able to catch that ball. Cause we weren't right. good at catching it. Well, think of that wave of grief is you're going to catch it and you're going to catch it out here. Okay. And I want you to take that and acknowledge, okay, there it is. There's that grief. And I want you to take it and I want you to put it in a box out here. And I throw away that key. And I have boxes and shelves all over the place of grief. And I literally, like I try and catch it before it hits me. So you, so you get that like physical thing, like you feel that wave of emotion coming at you and you want to stop it and just kind of like 
catch it and hold it before it gets to you. And then say you're at the wake and then someone really close to the person who's deceased walks in and you look at them and you can just see them like crumbling as the, the emotion comes over them. That's going to trigger you again. And again, you're going to get another wave coming at you. I want you to catch that one. Say, okay, I got it. I see it. I acknowledge you, but you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to take over me. I'm going to feel you. And you don't have to feel it right that. Right. So that's the thing is you can hold this and say, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. Box it up. Set it aside. I'll deal with you later. Right. <laughs> and, and just kind of set it aside. And again, you know, it's going to come at you multiple times throughout that, you know, couple hours that you're there. And then when you get home and you're alone, um, you know, back in your house, it's going to come at you one more time and just acknowledge, okay, you know what? I'm alone. I can deal with you for a little and hold it. Don't let it consume you because the minute you let it consume you, then it's like it's seeping into all those places you talked about, Sherry, and, and you can't get rid of it. But grieve a little bit. Spend five minutes grieving and then put it in that box and say, okay, we're, we're done for now. And then a week later, you might go back and you might say, you know what? I've been ignoring the fact that so-and-so is gone and I need to, I need to, you know, deal with it a little. Mm -hmm. And you can open it up and you can say, okay, I'm gonna spend an hour and look through old photos of us together or think about times that we had together. And at the end of an hour, I'm done. I box it back up. I see sometimes though, that if you just let it flow through, you know, at a time when it feels safe for you, when you feel good, that might be a great idea of how to just keep it in a box until the work day is done right? Until the work day is done and then unbox you. And sometimes people open that box as soon as they get to their car, you know, but and if that's, that's their okay. safe space, that's okay. And that's okay. Unbox it when you get to the car at the end of the day, but I don't want you driving with that. Right. So I get you to box it up before you pull out of that parking space. Right. And you need to box it while you drive. And you need to put on whatever music, whatever podcast, whatever you need to listen to so that you keep those thoughts out of your head while you're driving. Yes, because you know what? And I will tell you this. Um, uh, stress, grief causes great stress. And stress can uh, cause cloudy thinking. And I've, I'm personally right now going through a lot and um, I have noticed my driving skills are not, they're, they're compromised. And I do remember getting into a fender bender the first time I ventured out in a car after my son died. And you're just, you're, you're just, it, it is so important that you concentrate seriously, something as simple 
that's, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not finishing my sentences, but something as simple as driving a car that we do without thinking about it requires full attention and thought. Yes. And that's, and that's why I say you need to learn how to bottle things up and compartmentalize. Um, you know, I've had to, you know, after getting, you know, those type of phone calls and that negative news, um, had to drive to um, Pennsylvania from Massachusetts right. by myself. And, you know, we're talking like going over the George Washington Bridge, like, you know, yeah. all the major stuff of going through New York to get there. And I couldn't drive when I was worried or right. anxious. I needed to focus on driving. So I needed to bottle that up and set it aside for, you know, five or six hours as it took me to drive to Pennsylvania so that I could then deal with what was going on. Yes, thank you for that tool. I think that's a, that's a very valuable tool that we can use, but I want people to realize you don't box it up forever. You need to deal with it. And I'm talking sooner than later, just box it up until you're in a safe space. Um, because um, it does need to come up and it does need to come out. Take it from a person who tried to bottle it up for years and years and years. Um, it will come out and pop out in some other way in your life. So you've got to deal with it, but this is a healthy way of boxing it up, sitting it in the back seat until you arrive at your destination safely. <laughs> and sometimes when you get to that destination, you don't need to take it in with you. Right. You could then unbox it in the car again, deal with, you know, another 10 minutes of, of grief and then box it up and walk into whatever house you're going into. And you don't need to be a ball of tears when you walk in. Right. Like you, you can walk in and then, you know, later share the grief with someone. That's the beauty of it. Everybody grieves differently. And that's why I want to talk to you. That's why I wanted to talk to you because, you know, we'll, we'll just, just take this back to where we started in the workplace. Some people, you know, they want that community and they want the hugs and they want the, I'm so sorry for your loss. And they, and they, and they need that um, loving support and, and, and the hugs and the pats on the back and other people like you were describing, they, they want to come to work and they want eight hours that they don't have to think about this. They want eight hours of a normal life because all the other hours they have to deal with this. Right. And so we need to find out, we need to have these conversations so that we know where people are. And I think that a good leader also will then with the permission of the person um, that is dealing with the issue, talk with the rest of the workforce listen, Sally's coming back tomorrow. She said she just wants to come back. She doesn't want people with the sad eyes and she doesn't want the hugs and she doesn't want this. She wants to come back. So come back with your jokes tomorrow, come back with whatever, or Sally's coming back. And you know what? She said she wants Tammy to meet her at the door. She just wants to walk in with someone. So we're going to, we're going to welcome her back with open arms. But we need to have this conversation and we need to have it with everyone to let everyone know how we're going to deal with this. And that's the one thing I, I forgot to mention is in the conversations between the person grieving and the boss, ask, you know, is it okay to share your cell phone number with, you know, so-and-so, someone says asking about you and, you know, be that conduit 
and say, you know, these two people really want to reach out to you. Um, they, they don't have your current contact information. Can I share that with them? Um, and then let those people kind of lift the person back up or support them, you know, right. give them that love that they need while they're not at work. That's wonderful. Well, Jill, thank you so much. This is great information that all of us can use. And, um, and I just think it was so helpful. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. You're, you're welcome. And this was great. And I hope that this makes someone's grieving process at work a little bit easier. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.